Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. I must say that clip of T.D. Jakes kind of reminded me of my mom for a second. She used to come into my bedroom on a Sunday morning and it felt like she tore the curtains off the rail. You know, I was like, get up. We're going to church, but man, I'm so grateful that she did that in my life. I'm so grateful that my parents forced me to come to church because they took full responsibility for teaching me the way in which I should go. And how many of you know, there's so many different ways in which we can go in this life, but there's only one way that counts, and that's God's way. Can you say amen? You know, a national survey conducted by a leading pharmaceutical company uh, revealed a significant increase in psychological and emotional stress amongst South Africans in this post-pandemic era. And their findings revealed that South Africans' stress levels have increased by a whopping 56% in recent times. And it's, it's not surprising. But that's not only due to the aftermath of COVID, but also because of political and economic uncertainty, because of crime and corruption, financial pressures and high levels of unemployment, as well as day-to-day stresses, and everyone said amen, like load shedding, food and fuel prices, as well as traffic congestion. And if you came through the traffic during load shedding this evening like I did, you probably arrived a little stressed. Well, the survey found the following, and you'll notice that the percentages are quite high because you know more, more than one box was clearly ticked. The survey found that 38% of people complained about tiredness and low energy levels. We won't ask you to put up your hand this evening. 35% are annoyed and irritable, some said all of the time. If your wife was here, she might be nudging you. 33% have trouble concentrating. 44% struggle to relax. 49% feel anxious. 48% frustrated. 31% depressed. And 6% have contemplated suicide. So I think it's safe to say that South Africans are stressed. And stress also affects men differently to the way that it impacts women. You know, men experience stress over different things. They experience stress over their ability to provide, especially if they have a family. More and more young people in our nation are experiencing feelings of hopelessness because of the unemployment rate. And stress can lead to a number of problems in your life, uh, a lot of physical ailments. For example, an enlarged prostate can be the result of stress. Weight gain higher rates of depression. Uh, and, and when they look at men and women facing stress, there are much higher rates of men getting depressed because of stress than women. Things like grinding of your teeth and lockjaw. I get that sometimes. I wake up sometimes on a Sunday morning and I can't open my mouth. I've been grinding my teeth. The dentist told me when he finally crowned some of my teeth uh, that my fillings fall out because I grind them out. I grind them right down to the point where they fall out. That can be a result of stress. Uh, Self-isolation, 
uh, feelings of a loss of control, violent outbursts, and low self-esteem. In fact, stats show that around 75% of all visits to the doctor are for stress-related ailments and complaints. And not only does stress cause physical disease, but it can also create a kind of spiritual disease. Because when you and I are stressed out, we can end up doing things that we later regret. I was reading about a 70-year-old man in South Wales called Andrew Williams, who strangled his wife to death just five days into the UK lockdown. He strangled his wife, Ruth, at their home after a period of feeling stressed and depressed, and he later told police that he snapped and began strangling her, he, he, he literally throttled her, after he shared his feelings with her, and like many a wife, she told him to get over it. Now, my wife tells me to get over it all the time, and when she says it, she means me. <laughs> but we live in a stressful world. There is work stress, there is financial stress, there's health stress, there's relational and social stress, and as Christian men, we certainly aren't immune. We can't avoid stress. You might be here and you're saying, man, I'm stressed. I don't know how I got in this position. I'll tell you how. You woke up and you got out of bed. Because if you're alive and you want to do something with your life, you're going to face stress. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus faced it, and so will we, but we can learn to deal with it and manage it properly in our lives. And so this evening, I want to speak to you about passing the stress test. If ever there was a model for us, especially as men, in dealing with stress, it would be Jesus. He was fully God, but he was fully man. In fact, no man faced greater stress than Jesus. He literally, I mean, some of us, we think we've got the weight of the world on our shoulders. Jesus literally took the weight of sin upon himself, yet he always passed the stress test. You know, often we, we think our problems are, are unique, that these are 2023 problems. However, when you look at the life of Jesus, you'll discover that he faced a lot of what we're facing today. And so I want to start by reminding us of some of the types of stress that Jesus dealt with. Firstly, he dealt with satanic stress. Now, you might say, well, hang on a sec. Well, I'm not into rituals and stuff. I don't face that. Well, think of it like this. After Jesus was baptized, which is a very important step on your spiritual journey, if you're here this evening and you haven't yet been baptized, I want to encourage you to take that next step. But the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness where Satan came and he tempted Jesus. Temptation is a kind of stress because it creates tension in your life. You'll get up and you'll, you'll want to live for God and you'll try your best and you'll try to be righteous and do what's right, but, but there'll be this urge within you. It's the flesh and, and you'll want to give in to your lower nature and you'll want to do what you're not supposed to do. And so there's tension because you want to live right, but you don't always do. Jesus faced it, but he passed the stress test. He also faced relational stress. His family often didn't understand him. His own people dismissed and dishonored him. You know, he went to his hometown, and the word says not that he wouldn't do mighty works, that he could not do any mighty works among them. Why? Because they said, hang on a sec, isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the brother of so-and-so? 
And as a result of that dishonor, they treated him common and that relational stress, he couldn't do any mighty works. The Pharisees try to work against him, so Jesus understands. Listen, next time you're at work, it might be tomorrow morning, and you're facing some work stress, just remember that Jesus was right there. Sorry, relational stress. Jesus understands it. Secondly, or thirdly, he faced work stress. So when you're at work tomorrow, don't say, oh man, these problems are unique. If only the Lord understood. He was raising up a band of misfits, a couple of rough fishermen and you know, a tax collector and a guy named Judas. <laughs> and they were thick half the time. Jesus kept having to say, haven't I told you? Haven't I told you? Haven't I told you? In fact, you know, Peter, I love Peter. He reminds me of me. Jesus has to say to him, get behind me, Satan. When last did you go to work and say that to one of your colleagues or one of your employees? Do not say that to your boss. But that's what happened to Jesus. He had people trying to undo the good work that he was trying to do. Then he faced emotional stress. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was under so much pressure that he began to sweat drops of blood. Hematidrosis or blood sweat is a very rare medical condition. There are a handful of, of documented cases where you're under so much stress and pressure that the blood vessels that feed your sweat glands burst, they rupture. And you actually begin to sweat drops of blood. Now you might think that when you go to work tomorrow, you're actually sweating drops of blood. But not literally, just figuratively. Jesus did it literally. That's how much stress he faced. And then he also faced social stress, not social media stress, but social stress. He was rejected. He was shamed. He was beaten. People hated him. In fact, in John 7 and verse 7, Jesus speaks about his haters and he says, the world hates me because I testify that its works are evil. In other words, I'm, I tell the truth. And listen, there is a pressure on us in the world today to be liked. I mean, it's right there in the social media terminology. How many likes did you get? How many follows? How many reposts? But listen, when you and I stand up for the truth in a world full of lies, it creates stress. That's perhaps why many of us as Christians remain silent. I don't need the stress in my life. Jesus was hated for speaking the truth. Peter denied him. Judas betrayed him, so Jesus understands stress, and he understands what we're facing today. Hebrews 4 and verse 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He's not out of touch with our reality, but we have one who has been tempted or stressed in every way, just as we are, but now watch, yet he did not sin. He always passed the stress test. And when you and I are facing stress, as we probably are right now, and we will be as we journey forward, we can look to Jesus. In fact, Jesus did three things that I reckon aren't always, you know, men aren't always particularly good at. They seem to come naturally to the girls, but the man Jesus applied them, and if we apply them, we too can pass the stress test like he did. So let's look at three things this evening. You still good? Number one, if we want to deal with stress like Jesus did, we need to get in the Word. And, and, I, and I said earlier, you know, the girls seem to, to, to do these things more naturally. You know, my wife and I have been on a, a similar 
um, journey in terms of, of recommitting our lives to God. We both fell away from church. We came back to church together and made a recommitment on the same day, back in the day in the zone. And so as we've journeyed forward, I've watched how she's flourished and how at times I've fallen behind. You know, within a very short space of time, she was speaking in tongues and she was reading her Bible. She'd look at me and say, have you read your Bible today? And I'd just be like, But girls often, they, the, the, the women, they, 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 they're quick to respond. You and I need to fall in love with God's word. When Jesus was in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil, it's a form of stress. And let me just say this, if you're in a wilderness season right now, you need to guard your heart. Because the stress of that season can cause you to give in to things that you ordinarily wouldn't. And you'll think to yourself, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I watch that? Why did I buy that? Why did I behave in this way? It's out of character, we would say. Got to be careful. Jesus was hungry, so Satan comes along and he uses that need or that stress against Jesus. He says to him, hey, you, you hungry? Maybe you should do something about it. But notice how Jesus responds. Matthew 4 and verse 2 says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he, Jesus, was hungry. It's a gross understatement. Some of us can't even go 40 minutes without eating something. Then it says, the tempter, that Satan, came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The King James Version says, when the tempter came to him. You know, when I read it in that translation, I realized that it's not a case of if you and I will face temptation. It's a case of when. It's not a case of if the tempter comes. Or, you know, sometimes we think that we've escaped the devil. Oh, I almost fell there. Oh, thank the Lord. Okay, I can move on. No, no, it's going to happen again, and it's going to happen again, and it's going to happen again. And so you and I need to know how to respond. Let's learn from Jesus. Verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Listen, when we're under pressure and we are facing stress, we, we can't look to the world. We can't look within. We're often the problem. We need to look to the word. Charles Spurgeon, the Baptist preacher and uh, often referred to as the prince of preachers, he said Jesus used scripture to battle Satan's temptation, not some elaborate spiritual power inaccessible to us. Jesus fought this battle as fully man, and he drew on no special resources unavailable to us. So you and I have the same resources that, that Jesus had when dealing with the devil. He could have spoken new revelations, but chose to say, it is written. You know, often when we stressed, what I find is we want something new. Oh, maybe I need a different church. Or maybe I need, a, what, what new series can I watch? Now, what new restaurant can I go to? I need a new idea. I need a new word. And listen, new things are awesome. You need to lean into new things. But God's already given us his word. We just need to get into it. Bible teacher and author Warren Wiersbe says, the remedy for discouragement or stress is the word of God. When you feed your heart and mind with its truth, you regain your perspective and find renewed strength. You know what I've discovered is that when you face stress, you actually lose perspective. You, you, it's like you can't think straight. And you, and you become 
weakened. But the word of God strengthens you. It, it, you, you regain your perspective and it's like an anchor in your life. It keeps you tethered to the truth in a world of lies. Psalm 119 says, the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. In fact, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible and it speaks repeatedly about the word of God. In verse 143, that just shows you how long the psalm really is. The psalmist says, as pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in Netflix. No, I find joy in your commands. Then he says, your laws are always right. Help me to understand them so I may live. I pray with all my heart, answer me, Lord, I will obey your decrees. In other words, I won't allow stress to cause me to violate your values, your commands, your laws, your decrees, your word. In 1 Samuel 13, King Saul, who wasn't a very good king, became overwhelmed. The enemy was coming against him, and the enemy was coming against Israel, and he was stressed. And Samuel the priest said, look, I don't want you to do anything. Just wait for me to arrive. When I get there, I'll offer sacrifices to the Lord, and, and, and your God will, will provide a solution. But uh, Saul allowed his stress to get the better of him, and he ends up doing things that he shouldn't do. Verse 12 says, I thought, this is Saul speaking, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I've not sought the Lord's favor. Why not? So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Another translation says, I haven't, come, I haven't yet come before the Lord asking for his help, so I took things into my own hands. See, instead of seeking the Lord in his stress, he takes matters into his own hands and he does what he shouldn't have done. Only the priest was meant to offer up sacrifices. And men, if not managed properly, stress can cause us to justify taking matters into, oh, well, you know, they don't pay me enough at work, so it's fine if I just take this from the office. And, and you know, uh, I was in a hurry, and it's fine if I just drive down the emergency lane and cut through a few cars and go through the red robot. And, and, and you know, uh, my wife won't give me any, so, you know, she, she needs to understand that I might need a side check. Wow, did that hit a nerve? That wasn't in my notes. Maybe it was a word for someone. But that's what we do. We justify and we, we try to make ourselves feel better even when we know we haven't done what we should do. And so we need to seek the Lord first and foremost. Don't say, well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't check in with God. I just, I just made a plan. No, no. Seek the Lord's favor. Ask for his help and wait on him. Don't just take things into your own hands. You know, Jesus knew where to look when he was experiencing stress. He didn't play a round of golf, go to the pub, or play Fortnite. Those things are not bad within themselves, but they only offer temporary relief. They only offer a little bit of, of escapism. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Don't look for temporary solutions to long-term challenges. Stress management is a lifelong project. So you can't use temporary solutions. You can't, you can't use entertainment or the occasional getaway. It's not going to work. We need lasting solutions. We need divine wisdom. Think about this. Jesus is the word, the Bible tells us, yet he studied the word 
and he knew the word. Listen, he knew what the word said about him. I wonder if we know what the word says about us. Because one of the biggest causes of stress in the world today is something called identity. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? The world says that men need to step aside, that we've had our, our, our 15 minutes of fame, that we're no longer needed, that we're, we're no longer important. Culture is telling us that, that we're all just animals driven by instinct, so why bother? But God's word gives us the answers and the direction we need. And when we're stressed out, we need to get into it because it'll help us to pass the stress test. Number two, I hope this is helping you this evening. If we want to pass the stress test like Jesus did, we need to get in his presence. So you've got to get in his word, but you've also got to get in his presence. And I want to highlight three ways in which we can do that. Firstly, if we're going to get into God's presence, we have to prioritize him. No matter how busy we are with work and home and our responsibilities, you have to make time for God. You can't say, oh, I love the Lord and I, I, I honor you, God. Listen, what you honor, you will prioritize. In Luke 5 and verse 15, it says, yet the news about him, that's Jesus, spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Listen, that sounds like momentum. That sounds like adding another service. That sounds like expanding your business or, or increasing your operation. And when we're in a season like that, we're like, no, no, I need to be here. I'm needed. I can't step away right now. I don't think you'll see me on Sunday. But Jesus does the opposite of what you and I would do in the natural. Watch. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So at a time when you and I would say, well, we've got to step it up. We, we, you know, this thing is moving. More and more people are coming. Business is good. Jesus says, no, no, I need to take a time out. And notice that it says that he did this often. He knew the needs of the people were great. He knew that his assignment was unparalleled. What could be more important than saving all of humanity? Yet he prioritized time with the Father. You know, sometimes when I get stressed out about work, I tell myself, well, it's very important work, and it is. I say, well, it's God's work, it's important work, and what you do is very important. It's important to you, it's important to your organization, it's important to your family. But as I studied this topic, I noticed something about Jesus. We never read about him rushing around. In fact, when Jesus is on his way to the house of Jairus, whose daughter is dying, a woman interrupts the story and she touches the hem of his garment and Jesus doesn't just say, got you, and keep walking. He actually stops. And I reckon that must have been very stressful for Jairus and the people that were, Jesus, what are you doing? We don't have time. We've got to go. You know? You know, like that PA that comes along and says, oh, sorry, Pastor Andre. We just need to keep moving. That's what we would have done. But Jesus stopped and he engaged with this woman and then, he, and then he went on. We never read about Jesus flapping around in a hurry, rushing. In fact, when he hears about his, his friend Lazarus, who's not well, word says that he stayed a few more days. He was never overloaded with his schedule. His assignment was great, but he knew that in order to keep going and manage the stresses of life, he needed time with the Father. And so we need to prioritize him. Secondly, we need to pray. 
Mark 14 and verse 34, Jesus tells his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That sounds like immense stress. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed. Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, even in his obedience to the Father, Jesus prayed without hesitation for his situation to change. Listen, he knew that that the Father wouldn't remove that cup from him. He already knew that he had to follow through and go to the cross, yet he still took his stress to the Lord. In Philippians 4 and verse 6, Paul, writing from prison, says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And then he says, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. I want to encourage you guys, prioritize this in your life. And it's going to look different for each and every one of us. Maybe, maybe you like to go running in the morning. During that time, you don't just have to listen to heavy metal music or, or, or the latest podcast. You can actually pray. Maybe it's, maybe it's at the gym. Maybe it's in your car in the traffic. Or, or maybe it's late at night at home or, or early mornings. It doesn't really matter, but you have to prioritize it. You know, what I do is I go for what I call prayer walks. When I was living down at the, the North Coast, I started this during lockdown. I would go to the beach, and it was very quiet, and I would go for these long prayer walks. But eventually, I realized that they weren't really prayer walks. They were more like prayer rants. I, I began to rant and rave with the Lord, and I took everything to Him. I thanked Him for His goodness. I thanked Him for His grace. I thanked Him for what He was doing in my life. But then I asked Him questions like, Lord, what's wrong with me? Why am I like this? Just yesterday, I asked to be a better husband and father and, 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 a, and a better leader, and then I went home and I was irritable and I snapped at the kids and then I went to work and I was grumpy with the staff. Help me, Jesus. And I take everything to him, knowing that he's not gonna change my circumstance necessarily, but as I work through my stress in his presence, I know that he'll change me. It's an essential part of your journey with Jesus. And listen, it's going to help you to pass the stress test. Whenever I, whenever I, I, I fail to go on my, one of my prayer walks, I, I feel the difference. I get to work and I'm, oh, I didn't have time to walk. I woke up late. And, and I, I try to do the same in my office or I try to kind of change my routine. It always, it always impacts me negatively. I always find myself far more stressed than I was when I made that a routine and I started my day with the Lord. And then the third way to get into his presence is to praise. And I want to encourage you this evening, get to church on time. Don't, don't miss the worship. Listen, it's not the warm-up. It's, it's not for the soft, emotional guys. Oh, yeah, I saw guys cry. Yeah, I'm not one of those oaks who cries and lifts my hands and gets emotional. No, listen, it's, it's, it's not any of that. It is an essential part of your journey with Jesus. Listen, when, when you and I come and we, and we lift our voices, what happens, and, and it happened tonight, is that we, we magnify God's ability rather than our circumstance. Doesn't matter what you've come in with, when you magnify Him, you realize just how small your problems are in comparison to how big He is. But when you focus on me and myself and my problems, man, that becomes magnified. And so, Praising helps you to get your eyes off yourself and onto Him. One of my favorite definitions of worship comes from Eugene Peterson. 
He's the man that gave us the message paraphrase Bible. He says, worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves. How many of you know everything in life these days revolves around ourselves? It's all about me, social me, dear. It's all about me. But worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with me and attend to the presence of God. I've discovered that stress always increases when we are self-focused. When I look at myself and my needs and my inadequacies and my lack of strength, stress increases. But it always decreases when I attend to the presence of God. You know, the night before Jesus faced death, he was under immense stress. The word says that he was deeply troubled at the Last Supper. We don't always see that. You know, you watch those Jesus movies and, he, and he's sitting at the table and he's almost got a wry smile on his face. No, the word actually says that he was deeply troubled during that supper. And you know what he did before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane where he knew that he was going to be betrayed? you know what he did? I'll give you a hint. It wasn't CrossFit. The word says, nothing wrong with CrossFit. The word says that he sang hymns with the disciples. And many people believe that Jesus sang Psalm 118, that he would have led that psalm with the disciples at the Passover meal. And it says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let all Israel repeat, let the whole nation say his faithful love endures forever. Let Aaron's descendants, the priests, let those in ministry say his faithful love endures forever. Let all who fear the Lord, let all followers of Christ repeat his faithful love endures forever. Verse 5 says, in my distress, that's ongoing stress, I prayed to the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me free. Listen, Jesus sang and so should we. And often we come to church and it's, ah, I don't feel like it. I'm going through stuff. We're all going through stuff. And it's all relative depending on what it is that you're going through. But let me tell you, Jesus knew he was going to die and he sang. How much more do you and I need to praise and worship our way through the stresses of life? And so we need to get in the word, we need to get in his presence, and then lastly, we need to get together. Can I have some water, please? Get in the word, get in his presence, and get together. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Forget how dry it is here in Joburg. I mean, I have been back for a year and a half, but can you hold that for me, please? Thank you. You know, Jesus often got away from the hustle and bustle of life, but what we'll notice is that he didn't do life alone. Matthew 26 and verse 37 says, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now, now we see the vulnerability of Jesus. Then he said to them, Oaks, I'm fine. No, he didn't. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do? My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. 
Listen, Jesus needed friends. He needed support, and men, so do we. And I said it before, you know, the women are good at this stuff. When women get stressed, what happens? They get together. No, I need my girls. I need someone to talk to. I need to unburden. They want to come and tell you as their husband about stuff, even though you'll have no recollection of that conversation. The next, when did we discuss this? But that's what they want to do. What do we do? We do the opposite. We, we, we isolate and we clam up. No, I'm fine. Are you sure you're okay? No, I'm good, eh? Yeah. But Jesus always passed the stress test. He didn't do life alone, especially when the stress was immense. You know, in 1 Samuel 13, uh, before Saul took matters into his own hands because of stress, notice how the Israelites who were under his leadership dealt with that same stress. It says in verse 5, the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers and soldiers as numerous as the sands on the seashore. Isn't it funny how when we stress, we over-exaggerate our problems? I'm sure there were a lot of soldiers, they were numerous, but I'm pretty sure they weren't as numerous as the sands on on the seashore. Verse six, when the Israelites saw that the situation was critical and that their army was hard pressed, it's a word that means to be in distress, look what they did. They hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Listen, the worst thing that you and I can do when we're stressed is to hide away, to dig a hole for ourselves and isolate. And I wanna encourage you, despite the cold weather, despite the stress that you're facing, keep coming out. Keep positioning yourself before the Lord. Keep positioning yourself with your spiritual family, with your brothers, instead of isolating and and self-soothing at home. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Don't use shallow solutions for serious problems. Social media, Netflix, food, and a couple of drinks are not enough to deal with the serious problems in your life. They're not enough to deal with soul problems. You need a touch of God on your life, and you need support. Don't stay at home and say, oh, no, I'll catch it on YouTube, because you probably won't. Or say, oh, you know, I consume a lot of Christian content during the week. There's something that happens in the house that you cannot download, that you cannot consume online, because we're better together. We're meant to live in community. No man left behind, amen. So join a team. Join a connect group, a volunteer ministry. It'll help you to deal with the stress in your life. Listen, if anyone could have been a loner, it was Jesus. He had an assignment that nobody else had. He came from a different place. He left the riches of heaven and came down to earth. He was often misunderstood. People tried to kill him. Other people wanted something from him. He was totally self-sufficient, yet he chose to do life with others. And if the King of kings and the Lord of lords can do that, how much more do we need to do it? You know, Jesus not only shows us how to pass the stress test, but in him, we can find rest from our stress. You might have noticed that Bonga's been holding that glass of water for some time. And you might have been thinking, shame, can't you let him go back to his seat? But you see, that glass of water doesn't seem like much of a burden, doesn't seem like much to carry, but how many of you know the longer he carries it, the heavier it becomes? 
And there might be things in your life that you are carrying and, 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 and they're burdens, but, but you're thinking to yourself, I, I can deal with this, I've got this, I'm okay. But listen, the longer you carry them alone, the heavier they become. That's why in Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, come to me. Thank you, Bonga. Jesus says, come to me, not to social media, not to the golf course or entertainment, but to me. It's a personal invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Listen, when you're stressed and you're worn down from all the carrying, the things that you have to carry, your, your personal responsibility, your, your family, or perhaps the stuff that, 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 that you don't have to carry, it's the stuff that's been put on you. I asked Bonga to hold my water. It was mine to carry, but I put it on him. I, I get, my burden became his burden. Sometimes we're carrying burdens that are not even ours to carry. And Jesus says, no, 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 come to me. Look what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Listen, Jesus comes and he lightens the load. But I realize as men, we, we can find it hard to accept his invitation. Listen, we can't even stop and ask for directions. Jesus comes along and he says, no, no, let, let me come and help you. I'm fine. I'm okay. I've got this, Lord. But listen, he, he's not inviting you into a life of ease. You see, if you're buckling under the weight of, of stress and, and, you've, and right now you feel like you're failing the stress test, it could mean that you're not allowing Jesus to carry it with you. And he's not saying, when you follow me, all your problems are gonna disappear. He's saying that compared to doing life on your own, that his yoke is easy. Compared to what others put on you, what I put on you will be easy, it'll be refreshing, and it'll help you to pass the stress test. As we come to a close, I hope you've been helped and encouraged by the word this evening. You know, one of the biggest causes of stress is uncertainty, especially uncertainty about the future. How many of you know if they told us definitively that load shedding would end in December of 2024, it would be tough, and we probably think it's gonna last longer than that, but, but it would be tough to swallow, but at least we would know. We'd say, right, okay, next December, I can plan for that. I can schedule for that. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Excuse the pun. But you see, the uncertainty is what puts us on edge. And it, and it adds, a, it, it's stressful enough having load shedding, experiencing it, but now the uncertainty of when it's going to end adds another layer. I was reading about a man called Dr. Daniel Gilbert, he was a, a Harvard psychologist, and he wrote an article several years ago in which he talks about a Dutch research experiment. And in the experiment, researchers told one group of people that they would receive 20 strong shocks. The researchers told the second group that they would only receive three strong shocks along with 17 mild ones. But here's the thing, they wouldn't know when the three strong shocks would occur. Well, the results showed that the subjects in the second group sweated more and experienced 
faster heart rates. In other words, they experienced more stress. You see, the uncertainty of when those shocks would come caused their discomfort, not the intensity of the shocks. And it's often not the intensity of our challenges that causes the stress. It's the uncertainty of what lies ahead. Am I going to make it through? Am I going to get, what, what's going to happen in the future? Dr. Gilbert concluded his article by saying an uncertain future leaves us stranded in an unhappy present with nothing to do but wait. Our national gloom is real enough, but it isn't a matter of insufficient funds. It's a matter of insufficient certainty. Listen, no matter what the present looks like for you, with all its problems, social, financial, relational, a bigger cause of stress is what the future looks like. And you know, in the natural, there are no guarantees. We don't know what's gonna happen. We can't foretell the future, but in the spiritual, we have Jesus. And the principles of Christ prepare us for the uncertainty of this life, but receiving the person of Christ gives us certainty about eternity. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.